in part two, we are going to talk, of course, about Ligue 1 and what happened this weekend. Um, it was match day 38, um, but just it was the last of the season. There was a few things that needed to be worked out. Um, Lance Monaco and Marseille Strasbourg were, of course, under the spotlight. Um, Lille Rennes was up there as well uh, to see who was going to be able to, to get the European spot. Nice was traveling to Reims. Uh, and then at the bottom of the table, uh, Metz, who was traveling to Paris Saint-Germain, we mentioned it, they lost 5-0. And Saint-Etienne, who was going to Nantes, where the two teams trying to fight to get to the um, relegation playoff. We're going to focus on the top of the table first, so we're going to go down the table. It's not it's no surprise everybody must have seen the the results. Marseille um, finishes the season second on the table. Um, the game itself against Strasbourg, but we we both watched it, um, was a very good game of football where yeah. I think it could have gone either way until Marseille scores the second goal. Um, Strasbourg has the chances to go back into the game, and Strasbourg was in it to win it because they had a chance yeah. to go into. Um, European football as well. The Velodrome was incandescent, uh, and, yeah. and then the, there's that end of the of the game where Marseille is 2-0 up. It looks like the players don't know that they can push to to score three more goals, and maybe they can still make it to the uh, Champions League even if Monaco wins. One goal, two goal. Now it's 4-0, and it's the last minute of the game. Um, there's a ball into the middle of the box, hits the hand. The player in one minute go for for go from chasing Stéphanie Frappard down the field to ask her to give a penalty, to hearing that in Lens, Ganago has scored and the pitch is half invaded and, and then and then end of the game and, and, and Marseille is, is second. For, for the little story, Stéphanie Frappard did say that she was talking to VAR while things went down uh, and that they were most likely going to come back to that penalty. So Marseille would have given the opportunity to score that fifth goal that could have put them ahead of Monaco, regardless of of uh, of Lance scoring that goal. But um, I'm sure there must have been a fair few Marseille fans with the Ganago shirts on uh, on their shoulder on uh, on Sunday. <laughs> what, what did you think about this whole um, mayhem in at the Velodrome? <laughs> well, for, like you said, first of all, the atmosphere was insane. I mean, you could you could tell that just watching it on the screen. It's you know, I mean, you know that better than I do, but Marseille is fiery, <laughs> and well, goes, uh, well, and, and just a, you know, just a wonderful atmosphere. We saw that in the Conference League um, against Feyenoord already, but I mean, there were the whole of Marseille was ready for this, and the players didn't disappoint. And fair play, fair play to them. They played on the front foot straight away. Some gaps were open a little bit, as you said, it was quite even, but. Um, you know they drove forward. They they were in there for the win, and um, and they well deserved it. And I think they deserved, in my view, they deserve second place for the season they've been having. They've been, they have been the best of the rest. They've had some some little blips, but they've probably been the most consistent side apart from PSG. They've also had a clear identity within their team, and and some of it certainly at the start of the season, some of it didn't necessarily work all the time. But you could tell there was. Strategy put in place. Everybody wants to play the right way. Everyone wants to play the San Paoli way, and it's always nice to see you know the hard work of a of a manager and his players actually working out because they they do play. The, I quite like the way they play. They play the right way. They just need to be a bit more cutthroat going forward. But you know, from their from their box to the opposition opposition box, they play some of the best football in France. 
and and he's developed a lot of a lot of good you know good players there so um I, w- I was I was happy for Marseille. It is a big club to have the Velodrome in the Champions League is something. Um, I'm hoping they will do better than the last ten years that they've had in the in the competition. But um, they, yeah, like I said, they everybody seemed to be in it together this year for for Marseille, and that's rare, and that needs to be highlighted, and that's probably why they finished second. You could see at the end of the game, right? Genduzi running throughout Sampaoli, Payet, and Saliba, who were, of course, uh, yeah. in the um, in the stands celebrating with Longoria uh, and McCourt, even, and then everybody coming onto the the pitch and celebrating almost like it was a title. Mm. I agree with what you said. The, the team both, you know, drank the drank the Kool Aid, both Sampaoli's um, message and 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 lived by it. They have to do the same thing next year to be able to actually get to where we want them to get. Uh, but like you said, last time they were in Champions League, they ended up with um, five losses or six losses mm. uh, in, in as many games. And, and so they need to be able to uh, to show another face for themselves. Um, Dimitri Payet very politely uh, threw the pressure on uh, on his uh, on his board by saying that uh, he said something along the lines of, you know, we've done the job, us, the players on the pitch. Yeah. Um, we, we've done what we had to do. We we're supposed to get us to Champions League. We are there now. Um, now we just hope that um, the work is going to be done in the summer as well while we're on holidays to make sure that we can come back stronger next year, which is a, a very polite way to say, um, <laughs> get us the player that we need yeah. to, to compete at that level. Um, to, to be fair, though, if you say Saliba doesn't stay, you, you really need a strong centre-back, a left-back, a keeper, a striker. The striker, of course, is... The story, if you're lucky, you're selling Milik for enough money that you can just replace him or you can just, maybe you can actually try and use Milik. Yeah, I mean, that's still, you know, that's still four players. <laughs> <laughs> they changed eight last year. What's four, you know? <laughs> I mean, and, you know, there are some players that have played important roles like um, Cengiz Unda, who was only on loan um, recently, I mean, Harriet, he's been a, he can be a bit hit and miss, but towards the end of the season, he, he played, he played a big role. So, you know, I think they need to make a lot of decisions on a lot of players. This, the Saliba thing, I, you know, I can't see that happening and I don't understand why Arsenal want to sell him and I can't quite picture them actually selling Saliba. That doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't fit what, with you. What does he say that when as well? Like it's, if, if he did say that, that's a, uh, a weird communication. Well, I think uh, as I think we need with what Saliba himself has said. Is that what you mean? I think for that, I think we need to read the actual interview in French to see how it's been translated. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think if he said, um, "Yeah, I would love to be back here and I would love to play the Champions League," what, what's what's wrong with that? That doesn't, yeah, mean, that doesn't mean if he goes back to Arsenal and they tell him, you know what, you're going to play most of the games as a starter, or there's going to be heavy competi- competition for between three players for the two centre max spots. Why? Well, I mean, he could still want to stay at Arsenal. I, I have to say, I struggle with that sense that he's going to he's going to be leaving Arsenal because I also think if I were him, I would want to show that I'm good enough to go there and dominate, and he certainly is. So. But I, but I, I mean that's just me. I could be wrong. I, I was I mean I was wrong right on the Mbappe thing. But apart from that, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but you know I think yes the good thing for the good thing for Marseille is that they have a 
like I said, they have an identity. They know what players they need. Uh, I don't know what which ones they'll be able to get, but they they know the profiles of the players they need. And you know they've got you know Champions League football living in Marseille. Those are exciting. Those are exciting attributes to offer to a player and playing in Ligue 1, which has Mbappe staying and is going to be going to continue to have more visibility. I think is is an attractive proposition. They obviously need to find a striker, and they need to find a striker that fits the way they want to play, because Milik is a good striker. Of that, I have no doubt. But he he has poor attitude, and he doesn't play. He feasts on crosses and balls into the box, and that's just not the way they play. That's he's just not a good fit. Um, and Bakambu is thirty-one and average. So they, you know, I think in in a lot of areas they have very good players. I'm, I'm a, I was very impressed with Jesson towards the end of the season. I thought he was excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Genduzi is infuriating if you don't support Marseille, but he's a hell of a player. <laughs> And um, and and they have a lot of. I, th- I thought Rongier this season was absolutely awesome. Yeah, he's, he's probably what been one of their best and most consistent players. So they've got a lot of positives to go forward. But as you said, with Marseille, you just need a slightly underwhelming transfer window and some poor results at the start of the season, and it all it all unravels. So it'll be an exciting season next year but they deserved in my view to be to finish second I think for, for Saliba it would just take maybe an interview from Mikel Arteta saying yes I trust him for him to come back to Arsenal but I think there might be a bit of a from Saliba's side I, I would think that there may be a bit of feeling that the coach doesn't want me in Arsenal and maybe that's also something that could be could be hard for him Awesome, awesome positioning. I mean, if yeah, you're yeah, him, yeah. you're going. I've just won French Young Player of the Year, and I've led my team to Champions League. Why am I not throwing Gabriel Magalhaes? <laughs> that's probably the way he's. Uh, you know, that's that's some messaging that's sent to his coach. But I don't, still don't see that as. And I see rumors that he'd be they'd be asking for thirty million euros. Why would you be asking for so little? Yeah, right. Um, but. If the Real Madrid was on him, it'd be, it'd be 60. So, yeah, yeah. as well, just ask for that money because you could yeah. have that money for a player like him. Mm. He's, 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 he's as good as uh, Opamecano and uh, mm. uh, and Kunde, which are the players of his age also knocking at the door of the uh, of the French national team, right? Mm. Yeah. The, um, exactly. the, the team that wasn't fortunate in that um, <laughs> crazy end of night was Monaco. Monaco, who uh, ended up the season uh, like a rocket 10 game and defeated nine wins in a row until this weekend. Uh, they thought they had done the job by winning 2-1 against against Lance and then they uh, they conceded at the end with Badia Shield unable to clear the ball. It's a, it's a sad goal for Monaco after after all they've done. Um, that said, and I feel like we would say that for Monaco every season because their second part of the season is so good, they look like the team most likely, again, to challenge Paris Saint-Germain next year because they look like they have the foundation, they have the player, they have a player like Wissam Ben there that it doesn't matter if you play him five or 90 minutes, he's going to end up into the top of the of the goal-scoring ladder. They have that um, that little project going on with, with Philippe Clément, of course, uh, and uh, and with, oh, his name is gone now, he's the sporting director, Paul Mitchell, sorry, um, who are working throughout Towards making it a, a strong club, there's a bit of money coming in, most likely with Chouameni, uh 
being sold either to Liverpool or Real Madrid. There was a bit bit of a uh, leaning towards Liverpool in the past um, 24, 48 hours. Monaco has had a complicated start of the season, mainly, mainly, maybe because of the um, the Champions League exit against Shakhtar Donetsk. They had a, a fantastic final run, but they are back into that third spot. They are going to have to start the season early. Um, how much of the factor might that be for um, for next season? And also, you know, what did you think about um, Monaco being there at the end when when obviously no one saw them here when when we saw the first half of the season? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the Chouamini question is gonna is gonna dictate what they can do on the transfer market, I think. And and again, you know, I've talked about Marseille, the Velodrome being attractive. You can't say that about the Louis II, but the lack of taxes at Monaco and the lifestyle the taxes are attractive. <laughs> is that is attractive. And the fact that they commit to playing young players and putting putting yeah. in a shop window, that is also attractive. Um, I, I think they've got a good group of players. They have, although I would like to see Sofian Diop play a bit more, but it sounds like he's struggling a bit under what Philippe Clément is asking for. And and Clément needs to be given some credit. I mean, early on in his tenure, it did look like he, f- from watching them play, you could tell that there was something there. You couldn't quite put your finger on it, but you could tell they just looked more organized. They just looked like they played in a particular way. Again, I think if you if you look at a side, you watch the play and you go, okay, I know what they're going for. That is always a plus. And you could see that with Philippe Clément. The res- results weren't falling straight at the start, but he just had to settle on his on his starting 11. And he didn't deviate much from his starting 11, which is also something to think about for next season if they're going to have Champions League football on top of, on top of Liga. Um, and it, so it's funny how things have, you know, how things change because... When they got rid of Kovac, you know, there was a lot of criticism. Um, I have to say, I watched Monaco play last year. I know they had some decent, they had a decent season, but they also played in a way that was completely open and showed a complete lack of t- tactical <laughs> uh, yeah. ability was the way I saw it. But, you know, they, they to be fair to Kovac, they were getting results, but, but it was more of the 4-3 variety than, you know, a solid 2-0 compared to mm-hmm. Clermont. Um, so I think he's brought a bit of stability. We'll see how he's backed in the in the summer. It is just funny that, you know, with Monaco, they picked Rennes to the spot, right? And it's felt like, much like last season, but it felt like another roller coaster for, for Monaco. And you don't know whether they're just full of confidence and they were cruising or what, and they'll pick themselves up again when when they have obstacles in their way, you know, are they sort of fair weather players? Like some people would say, or they play very well when everything goes well, but they don't when there's, there are obstacles. Whilst Ren, I thought, you know, maybe in my book, maybe deserved, if you look at the whole season, deserved mm-hmm. to finish third rather than Monaco. And they always played the right way. So, um, but you, yeah. So you can't discount the work Philippe Clément's done. He's obviously been a breath of fresh air for that club, but instability is always, you know, right out, right out of the window for, you know, right next door for for Monaco. So we'll see, um, we'll see what they do. The, those two results, Monaco and Marseille, meant that um, Strasbourg and Lens mm. uh, were out of the race for for Europe, and so uh, fourth and fifth place would be um, would be fought by Rennes 
and Nice, of course, with, with Monaco and Marseille getting the result, Rennes wasn't able to uh, get back to them, even if they had won. But Rennes has actually um, struggled to get that result in Lille. Um, Lille had scored first. Rennes came back, of course, by Borijo. Uh, and then Timothy Weah scores at the 88th minute. And Girassi is the hero for, for Rennes at the 93rd. What it meant on the other sides in, in Reims, where Nice was playing, Nice was down two goals uh, by Ekitike and Dumbia in the first 20 minutes. And then a, a crazy hat-trick by Andy Delors at the 75th, 77th and 82nd minute means the emotional roller coaster for Galtier must have been, you know, you're down 2-0, you're up 3-2, it's 1-1 on the other side, and so you're still not uh, in Europa League. And then Timothy Weah scores for Lille. So at that stage, Nice is in the Europa League and not in the conference. And at the 93rd minute, and finally equalizes and gets the fourth spot. I mean, I think there's also images that Galche thinks that Nice is in Europa League and celebrates with his, with his um, staff before he's being told, wait, 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 they've scored. We are actually fifth, which is not bad, the, the Conference League. Uh, but then Galche, um, rightfully so or not, said in the press conference that um, he's still fuming over that point loss against uh with that game against Marseille and, and the pitch invasion. He basically yeah. um very indirectly, but that at least I, I read it that way, um blamed his own supporter for the way uh, they've supported the team and, and for what they costed the team. Two games that were uh yeah crazy in their own right and then we end up having Rennes in fourth and Nice in fifth. You said that you thought Rennes was supposed to be higher. Do you think Nice deserved to be higher? They were second for more than half of the season. It, it's it's a difficult one. I think for, for Nice, it's year one of the Galtier project. I think that's the way I would look at it. So he's he's a man with a super successful track record. I mean, what he did at Saint-Étienne compared to where they are now um, speaks volumes, even if, you, even if you weren't to look at his time in Lille, which was even more amazing. But... Mm-hmm. Just his time at Saint Etienne and, and the consistency that they had was was impressive. So he's a man with with a track record of of delivering. Uh, were were Nice one of the top three sides in the country? No, at no point were they that. Um, so have they finished at the right place? Yes. Do I expect them to grow? Yes, because he's set up the the basis for the team. They're defensively solid. They played. They played a system that he wants them to play. He could be more imaginative, but um, you know he might want to bring in his own players, and he he might. That's why there's a bit of a fight for influence at the club at the moment, by all accounts. So, I think they. I think they deserve to be fifth because they have been quite consistent this season. The the criticism that's been valid is that they don't play as expansive as they could, and he's even admitted himself that he's misused Amin Guiri, for example, towards the sec- in, during the second half of the season. So some mistakes have been made, some growth is still expected, some players haven't worked out. Justin Clivert can head back to his parent club now, having le- left no trace of any success at that club. And Calvin Stengs needs to buckle up, otherwise he's going to go pretty soon, as will Casper Dolberg, if he doesn't grow backbone mm-hmm. at some point. Um, but there, there's still some players there who have talent. And more importantly, as we've seen over the last few weeks, is those players play for Galtier. I mean, penultimate game of the season, 2-0 down at halftime against Saint-Étienne. You know, they steamrolled over them in the second half. 
same same on the last day of season. Maybe Reims were a little bit already on holidays, which would be unst- understandable. But the way, you know, you talked about the way Genduzi ran to Sampaoli after the final whistle. The way Andy Delors ran to Galtier at, after each goal, I think, said, said a lot as well. So his players like him. I think he's a proven manager at a club that has resources and that can challenge. It's breaking that that glass isn't it's not a glass ceiling, but I kind of see them in the same way as Everton under David Moyes or, or Aston Villa under Martin O'Neill were. They were they made smart signings. They had good managers, who pl- and their players liked playing for that manager. It was just a question of actually just getting there over time and staying there. That's the difficult part, and that's going to be that's going to be the difficulty for Nice, despite despite good resources. Yeah, you would think Angelou is is happy. He's got he didn't get the the easiest the best start of of season with the stories with Algeria and, and just on the pitch mm. he wasn't answering. So um, the end of the season that he's given Nice and that Nice has given him. Um, yeah, definitely uh, makes it worthwhile. Nice is also, you know, obviously going through a bit of um, yeah, a bit of issues in the background. Now you you mentioned um, the, yeah. the the power struggle, but also Ineos out of the blue had put out a, deal, uh, had put out a bid for for Chelsea, um, and that that can't help um, yeah. the club looking to the future. You know, if you're a coach and you're being told that your owner is about to buy a club, that will make you basically a feeder club um yeah it's it's also um mixed messages sent i think uh ev- everywhere in there and, and again that's to me another situation of um the, the the trials and tribulations of new owners going into football <laughs> and not understanding the the power that play the passion the dynamics mm. of of what it is that to to run a club and the passion of the people that are following the club, sure, but also the people that are working at the club. Um, mm. Because the last thing I think Galche wants is a repeat of Lille and, and just money thrown at the club without any really thoughts of what is going to be um, on, on the field. And that's that's where he's going to keep his job. So he wants that to be a, to be clear. That there's been, and, and I'm sure it's not going to happen, but there's a reason why there's been rumours that Galche might leave already. It's because um, he would like things to be better, I'm sure, uh, mm. and he would like to have a, a, a strong person over him to uh, to back him up because he, he he has the track record speaks for him. But I think his his mentality has got that um, he thinks or he has figured it out, like mm. how it's supposed to run, what you're supposed to do to be successful, etc. So he basically wants that backup, right? We'll um, we'll see if they can give him all this. Uh, and put him there. Um, so that's uh, that's our, our, our top our top five, right? Paris Saint-Germain, of course, uh, was champion with 86 points. Marseille, second, 71. Still um, second of the league without getting two points per game. Uh, Monaco, third with 69 points. Uh, Rennes, fourth, 66. And Nice, nice fifth, 66. With Nantes winning um, the Coupe de France. That's Paris and Marseille in Champions League. Monaco in the preliminary round of Champions League. Rennes and Nantes in the Europa League. And Nice in the Europa, in the Europa Conference League. But of course, there are also 
premium rounds to be able to uh, to get there. So that's our, our top of the table sorted. And um, there will be uh, a few episodes during the summer where we're going to talk about each club. Uh, you and me will do our draft the same way we did it after the <laughs> season, of course. Uh, but there will be some episodes where we um, talk about what those clubs have done and we will develop a little bit more before that. Let's look at the bottom of the table now. Um, there was only one story, basically, for, for Match Day 38. Who was going to make it to the um, relegation playoff? Was it Metro Saint-Etienne? It was almost a story of who's going to lose by less goals <laughs> because they were both playing against teams that supposedly yeah. are better than them. Metz in Paris and they lost 5-0. And Saint-Etienne and Nantes. And Saint-Etienne was able to cling on to the point, getting an equalizer at the 79 minutes by the experienced um, Romain Amouma, which means a lot for the club, the fans. Uh, I feel like they could have saved themselves a long time ago, but, but they finally uh, put themselves onto a, a relegation playoff stand. They are about to play Auxerre. Mm. First, Baptiste, what, you know, what do you think about that Saint-Étienne mess story at the end? Do you think mess maybe deserve to actually be the one on the on the relegation playoff and Saint-Étienne are, are very lucky to get there eventually. Uh, and then um, I'll I'll quickly talk if, in, in case you're unaware of how good Auxerre is under uh, mm. um, Jean-Marc Furlan. As to whether Metz or Saint-Étienne, I mean, they've both been terribly poor this season. Um, I mean, they, Bordeaux made them look good, but they've been abysmal, frankly, both sides. I, I think... I think Saint-Étienne on the Duprat have shown a bit more. They have shown a fighting spirit that's there. Um, they're very, very limited, that side. But, you know, they, they go in there with heart, with endeavor. They, they you know, they don't give up. Um, Mess, Mess has had a different feel to their season. They've just been just so meh offensively, you know, attacking-wise. They've just had no ambition there, and that's that's been disappointing because they were pretty decent last year. Exactly. But it, they just seem to have retreated with a different mindset this year. So, you know, I don't, can you say who deserved more to ultimately be in the playoff? I don't know. I just, I just know that if we are to go on the last impression given by those clubs, then Mess getting spanked 5-0 at the Parc des Princes when... That whole, their their opponent were in holiday mode, and were playing five side football effectively, and they just there was no heart there. Um, I think that speaks volumes compared to Santini who kept going, uh, admittedly against an inferior opponent, opponent than than PSG. Right, that's absolutely fair, but they kept going, they kept going, um, and you saw from. Hamuma's reaction when he scored, you know, what it meant to all of them at the final whistle. So um, it feels fair that it's Saint Etienne. I still expect them to go down. <laughs> and um, and I kind of feel like just the same as with Bordeaux, for Saint Etienne to go down wouldn't be such a bad thing for Saint Etienne. Mm-hmm. They need, they need to, Kayazo and Romier, that needs to end. They need new blood. They need new thinking. They they need they need a new cycle. And I I I just feel like they're one of those clubs that if they stay up, that cycle is not going to start, and you're just delaying the inevitable. So 
Um, I, I, I love Saint-Étienne. It's a, I think it's a great club. It's a iconic shirt, uh, one of the best atmospheres in, in French football. But um, mm. they're at the end of the cycle, and I, I just don't know where, whether the creativity, imagination, and desire is there for, for that to happen, with or without Dupar. I mean, I would say the same thing without him, so... Yeah, yeah, I agree. For for nation, I think Mess for the last game, they probably, they probably had the worst last game against Paris Saint-Germain you can ever had. It was either Mbappe was saying, "I'm staying," and he's going to put on the show, or yeah. he was saying, "I'm going," and he was going, and to, he's going to put on the show. So <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think Mess, regardless, unfortunately for them, but, it was about but, trying to keep only considering yeah. three, not more. That but, was the story for them, right? But to be fair, I mean, I. Uh, that that's absolutely true. I mean, it was going to be tricky anyway. But I think if you look at some of the goals they conceded, yeah, the the players' body language. I mean, I know. I mean, and I know it's easy for me to say that when I'm not the man three 0 down at the Parc des Princes <laughs> in the last game of the season when you've scored I don't know twenty five goals of the season and you know mathematically you're 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 dead right. But um, it, that's what surprised me is they just seem to give up and. That's surprising for an Antonetti side as well. So, like I said, if if you're looking, if you're basing, if I'm making my assessment based on the last impression I got from those teams, and they deserve to go down. Yeah, exactly. And we've seen, we've seen teams um, less good than Paris Saint Germain um, several times, really causing them issues. Uh, Mess themselves uh, in uh, in the first game uh, at Saint Symphorien only lost to Paris Saint Germain because Hakimi scored the ninety fifth minute. So there was there would have been something to do, but yeah, the it, it didn't look um, going well for him. Saint Etienne will be playing um, Auxerre in the in the relegation playoff. Auxerre was coached by Jean-Marc Furlan. And for our listeners who don't know who is Jean-Marc Furlan, I sincerely hope that he's in Liga next year so we can um, talk about it. He's, he's basically a, a legend in France. He's been criticized for how well he wants his team to play football. Um, and, and playing, I think it's it's pretty um, fun, ironic, romantic, you, you name it, when that Oser is going to play against Saint-Etienne. Um, two coaches with, with completely um, <laughs> opposite mentalities. Um, yeah. The only the only issue I have with Oser is that if they do go up, which is great, they're going to go up with with uh, a few players that have always been great in Ligue 2 and, and have often disappointed uh, in Ligue 1. And the, the main example of that is Gaëtan Charbonnier, who almost every season that he plays in Ligue 2 is the leading goal scorer and then when he goes into Liga he, uh, he, he doesn't uh, quite make it um, they, it's going to be uh, a two game relegation playoff uh, they're playing for the mistaken the first game is on Wednesday I'm going to get that right Thursday night sorry it's Friday morning here in Australia and uh, the second game is on Sunday night so I, in Auxerre on um, Thursday night and in Saint-Etienne on Sunday night. Um, two games that are worth watching, actually, to uh, to mm-hmm. wrap up the, the season. Um, Baptiste, you, you're called the classic. Uh, if, if there's a team that is classic in uh, in France, it's Auxerre. Uh, how yeah. good would it be for Ligue 1 to see them coming back in Lyon? It's uh, it's a household name, so it's always good to, to see them. I mean, it's two pretty important side face, sides facing each other. Not the same mystique about... Um, about Auxerre, as as for Saint Etienne, obviously Saint Etienne after Reims, you know the first great European French European side, right? Um, but Auxerre have had a 
ton of great players play for them. They were, you know, the team defying the odds for and doing that extremely successfully for for decades. You know, they did the double in '96. They won French cups under you know their own sort of Sir Alex Ferguson, right, under Giroud. And and they do, and they used to develop a lot of players, you know, the Gibril Cisse, Philippe Mixes, Boom Song, all the, all those players. So yeah, I'm happy I'm happy to see Osser back to to potentially. I mean, they they punched above their weight for so long that I think their natural place is probably in terms of the size of the club. On unfortunately, if you're looking at it that way, they're probably be, they probably should be between lower end of Liga and and top of Ligue 2, right? But it's still good to see them back there. It's um, it's a very old school club, you know, old school stadium, <laughs> um, small you know small town. It's got that great feel to it, and um, and and like you said, with Jean-Marc Furlan, they have they have a manager who wants to play football the right way, and that's what they used to do. Under Giroud, they used to play football the right way. So it's exciting to see them back. And also, sorry, an iconic shirt, the all white, all mm-hmm. white with a little bit of blue, right? So um, yeah, icon, iconic shirt, iconic team. There might, there might be the uh, the most accurate representation of what Farmers League mean to <laughs> to, <laughs> to the outsider in in Liga with their uh, what was their um, their sponsor for the longest time was like the chicken. Yeah, um, on, on on the shirt of Pulelue. So yeah, it, but they are they are such an awesome club to uh, to uh, to bring back in Liga. That's going to be a very interesting in, interesting um, two legged game, and we'll talk about it um, ne- next week, of course. There was another question by, by uh, Dieter van Gort on uh, on his tweet. Um, he asked about Mbappe, but he also asked which player from the relegated teams will play in Liga next season, uh, and which teams is the biggest overachiever, and which team is the biggest. Underachiever in Liga. I think if we start with the second question, um, the bigger underachiever you can pick Lyon or Lille, and 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 that's where you are. Uh, and the biggest overachiever, I think, it's between Strasbourg and uh, and Nantes. Um, is that is that your impression as well, Baptiste? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Lyon, I, I, we've talked about it before. Lyon, I can't believe they are where they are. Um, I mean, I, you can understand why they got here, but it's still disappointing that they're there. Uh, and Lille, underwhelming, but not overly surprising. I think mm-hmm. they were they lost Galtier. They were on a massive high last season. They brought an average manager in Justin Gorvinek. The feel around the club isn't great. They don't have a lot of money available. It again, it just sort of feels like the end of a cycle. So mm-hmm. I'm not. Them finishing where they finished tenth today. Them finishing yeah. tenth doesn't didn't necessarily surprise me that much. It's still a little bit disappointing because you'd expect better, but not as overwhelmingly negative and disappointing as as Lyon. Um, and obviously, in I don't know whether we can call it underwhelming, um, but or underachieving, but certainly Bordeaux finishing yeah with the table with ninety one goals conceded. <laughs> I mean, crazy. Uh, yeah, the Gerard Lopez again strikes again. Um, good to see him not turn up for the last few games of the season as well. That's classy. Um, but it's but it's not only is it it's not a surprise that they got relegated, but the manner, just the obvious lack of talent on the pitch, lack of ideas, that was still so intense. 
in a way. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. I mean, uh, it 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 was so amateurish at every level that I still actually can't believe they've managed to have so many points in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a sad story. So they're probably my underachievers. And for overachievers, yeah, I mean, you've mentioned you've mentioned the right ones. They're, they're, I mean, there's quite a few, you know, Lance, Lance Rennes, um, to a lesser extent, Ren, but you know, st- still fourth is pretty is a, is a good. I I kind of also want to mention Clermont because yeah, no, no one gave them a chance at the start of the season to stay up, and they, you know, they went a different direction to Saint Etienne and Duprat, right? They went in there and said, "We're just going to play the way we know how to play. We'll get battered in a few games, but we'll be in there." Um, been there in most games and they they've played re- really well they've been enthusiastic they've been brave and they've stuck by their manager who plays his his 33 year old son who's who never played <laughs> Liga, Liga football before plays in the center of the park and i don't think anyone would recognize any of those players names apart from uh, mohammed bio maybe mm-hmm. um and, and and to be fair, the last one I just want to mention is Trois as well. Yeah, again, and maybe again because it's the you know last impression that I have from them. But fair play to Bruno Yerles. I mean, he turned up a, a terrible soul patch, but um, you know t- turned up and um, and when you look at how they played against PSG in the penultimate game of the season and the way that he turned things around, that's been super impressive, actually. So, yeah, I think they're, that's, yeah. But a lot of good football this year. A lot of teams have actually played well and kind of overachieved compared to what they originally wanted, I guess. Yeah, it would have been a, a tough gig at, uh, at Trois for sure for Yerles coming after Batless, who was already a, a very yeah. good coach and just didn't get the results. Um, but yeah, Yerles for his... Uh, for his second stint in Liga, he had a few games with uh, with Monaco back then. Um, yeah. Was uh, was good to see that he could save Trois, who is obviously part of the City Football Group. So they also kind of had to stay in uh, in Liga. I think um, the first part of the question from Dieter Van Gogh was which player from the relegated teams um, we think will stay in Liga. We're going to start by mess because when we go through Bordeaux, it's heartbreaking. Uh, <laughs> the, the the mess the mess players, um, you know Farid Boulaya. Um, Pat Matarsar is already on his way to England, of course. Uh, Farid Boulaya, maybe Didi Lamkelze had a nice little last of six months, but then outside that, and of, of course, Alexandro Kija, who, who sometimes is a good um keeper, outside of that, most players, I think they are second half of Liga, top of Ligue 2. Um, and, you know, Vincent yeah. Pajot, um, Ibrahim Anian, Fabien Santons, Dylan Brown, Nicolas de Préville, um, Opa and Get, Fali Kandé. It, it's <laughs> players that are either young and up and coming and maybe could make it, like Ibrahim Anian, um, like Opa and Get, or it's players that have always flirted anyway with mm. relegation battles um, and have always been there. It's a team that almost feels like they're where they're supposed to be. It mm. would if Farid Boulaya had been at the level has been the last few seasons, maybe they are 15th. But if their top player isn't playing where they want it to be, then then it's hard. Besides Boulaya, do you think any player will be picked up? Maybe you could, yeah. Well, then, first of all, with Boulaya, he needs to have the right mindset. To, he needs to turn up. And that's been an issue with him, isn't it? So um, 
maybe he is at the level where he should be, considering his attitude is allegedly so poor. I uh, I think one I do like Fabien Santons. I think he's he's the one name on that list that I think could play at, at a better club. I feel like he's his rise was sort of interrupted with, with injury, which was a shame because in the first part of the season, certainly in the second part of last season, he did feel a little bit like yeah, Jonathan Klaus light. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a similar style, getting a few goals, you know, r- r- you know, hogging that touchline, but also coming back for some random headed goals once in a while. So I, I think, I think he, I could see him play, you know, I could see him a player at a higher club. I mean, Zeki Selic's been quite poor this season, surprisingly for, for Lille. I don't think it would be such a letdown or step down to have somebody like Santos at a club like that. Martin um, was on Santos last summer. Yeah, so I think yeah, he's probably the one in that list who's, who's um, who, who I would consider as potentially uh, not top heart. Well, you know, I could see him at a side between 8th and 15th. Basically, he's only 26 as well. So yeah, and he was at one point one of the best right back, like you say, close like um, last season. Bordeaux, <laughs> you're wondering why this team is is where they are, right? Um, yes, Nadley, of course, is is going to Milan. Um, who's the other one that's on loan? Uh, or Timothée Pembele, of course, is going back mm. to Paris. Uh, and then um, you know, Benoit Costil is too old, but then yeah. it's um. Sekumara, Wanguijo, Jean Onana, Joshua Guilavogi, Anela Medodzic, um, Gideon Mensa, Jimmy Brian, who's a bit old, maybe Remy Houdin. A, a couple of those players, Albert Ellis, um, a few of those players, of course, I think have the level for Liga, and, and I think mainly Onana, Ellis, Guijo, Medodzic, Iadenko. Um, it's it just didn't work out for, for them. Maybe because the other players are so far behind. And interestingly enough, Amendojis has, has come into um, the fold in January. But before that, the defense maybe was the issue. And the fact that um, Koscielny was A, not helped, B, vilified um, has, has been one of their issues. But there is there is talent in that team. I didn't mention Sekumara. There is talent in that team. Um, if they all want to stay together and be in league, there's a chance they come back up straight away. Right. Yeah, I mean, like context is so important. It sounds like it weighed on everyone at Bordeaux because you take those players individually, and there is some, there is some talent there. I mean, Huang Huang's had a decent season when you think about it. Um, Sekumara looks looks quite exciting. He's a French under twenty one international, scored two at the weekend. Um, you know, and I think Onana has some qualities. Albert Ellis had a good first half of the season. So I think you, you do have some talented players, but they the atmosphere of the club was terrible. I think the managers were terrible. Um, nothing was working. You know, the atmosphere was down. And they were also surrounded by some players that were just didn't have the talent. I mean, I don't know where they found Mangas, but, and I know he scored at the weekend, but he is one of the worst fullbacks I think I've ever seen. Franz Sergio was pretty bad as well. Franz it's interesting Sergio. though because Franz Sergio was a mainstay at Braga. Um, Braga, yeah. who the team who then like disqualifies Monaco this season. Um, and, and yeah, same, same for Manga. But, so it was but, great. But sorry, but if you sign a 32 year old centre midfield, who's only ever played in one league, he's that guy's got to be pretty amazing to make it work at a club that's struggling. 
and it was just wasn't going to be the case. So, yeah, they, um, yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting one. Uh, it, it's 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 more the frustration is is more like what it's interesting because when you read the list of players at mess, that your initial reaction is like they are where they are. Actually, kind of doesn't matter which manager you put. There's a the talent is maybe not there. And, that, and that's not such a harsh thing to say. Like it's it's difficult to stay up with Bordeaux. It's like I don't understand <laughs> how you can have a lineup of decent decent players and then playing that way. It, it you know it's like they turn every every time I've seen the play, you just thought these people have never met each other before, and they have spent no time at the training ground, and they don't know what they're meant to do. And that's that's damning for everyone involved, and uh, and for me, there's a there's a symbol of that club is Bayern Yang. Mm-hmm. Twenty seven, ten years ago, was starting in Ligue 1 for Caen and moved to AC Milan. He has done nothing in his career. He is not a leader. He doesn't have the talent level. He might do on occasions, but doesn't have it. And he was one of the alleged ringleaders of the, you know, the players turning up for five-a-side football when they're not meant, to, mm-hmm. when they're not meant to do so. Going to you know, clubbing on a clubbing on the night of relegation. You're allowed. You're, look, you're allowed in life. I not. I don't always, you know, I don't begrudge people um, going out and actually maybe when you're having a tough time, you need something something to clear your mind, but. When this is the guy who wrote off like two Lamborghinis before the age of twenty, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know, there were rumors about his personal life on social media. Isn't has no work ethic, you know. It's it's just I think it says it all. Yeah, exactly. The other players that I didn't mention, Gregerson, Gregerson, sorry, and, and Gilles Rossoon and uh, and and Enoch Quateng as well. It, it was what it was, right? It was just. A lot of players brought in. Some of them we knew were good, had been good, just not the right mix of player. Not the didn't find whoever was going to be in charge to to lead the others. Whoever could be in charge, Koscielny, Kostil, somehow were pushed away. Um, it, it was wrong everywhere. The, let's see. As as I look at the list, I see more young players that I didn't say. Tom Laku had an okay season for his yeah, age. Meji Zerkan, um, who, who's even coming, unfortunately, um, injuries have have been on the way for him. It's just a shame. There's one player that I don't want to mention because I don't even know why he's there. But uh, he was a defender at Lyon before, and now he's uh, and now he's in Porto. <laughs> Sorry, he's the biggest symbol. He's the biggest symbol. <laughs> yeah, I was harsh on on Bayern Yang, but. Marcelo, why would you sign a 34-year-old centre-back who, by all accounts, has been nothing short of abysmal and a terrible dressing room influence at his previous club? What? I mean, in it's what crazy. world? In what world is that a sensible option? But like you said, uh, lack of talent. About how many people are there on loan? It's not. It, sometimes football really isn't complicated. If you be, bring people for the short term, they might try hard, but it's not going to be. Well, it's not going to be the same. It's not. They might be very professional. They might try hard, but you know, when push comes to shove, they're not here next season. So 
yeah, doesn't so have the same impact. Yeah. They don't care. Dieter, you 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 brought the ambience down with your with your <laughs> question and with making us looking at yeah. which player could be in league next season. The player that are going to be in league next season will be um, the player from Toulouse FC and from um, Ajaccio uh, AC, AC. And we will talk about the, those two teams. But it's, uh, it's actually some exciting projects coming from Toulouse, and, and it's always good to have a team from Corsica uh, in Ligue 1 to uh, to bring a bit of spice to um, to what mm. our football. Uh, is Baptiste, thank you so much for for this time and for this podcast. A little bit longer than usual, but there was a lot to uh, to, to talk about um, from from the Mbappe um, drama that ended up well for for Liga and French football in general uh, to to Strasbourg and to to Bordeaux, excuse me, and uh, Metz being relegated. Unfortunately, um, is, is there any more um, Le Classic pod coming out? How are we with the uh, with the ranking of the best player? Do we ever play uh, in in Premier League? Is Flamini number one yet? <laughs> uh, sadly, not for Mathieu. Uh, he's too busy being a successful entrepreneur, I think, to to really care about it. But uh, now we've uh, we you know we've recorded up to number three. We just need to re- we need to release four and three and then and record two and one. But I think once you get, I think people know who will be. Number one and two, they might not know the order necessarily, mm-hmm. but there are two names that come to mind. So it's, um, but it's it's exciting. We're doing, you know, we're doing an episode for each of the last, each of the top five, and it's uh, it's quite, it's obviously great fun reminiscing about those players and and their cultural impact that they had in in the Premier League and, and in the UK. That's that's maybe even. The, the more, most fun part rather than focusing on the football it's it's how much of an impact they had you also had your uh, your debut in uh, at the <laughs> Ligue 1 uh, podcast Le Beau Jeu with uh, with, Andy, with Matt Pirot and Andy Scott and uh, and Robbie Thompson and Angus that was, that was pretty awesome to listen to whoever um, listens to us I'm sure is also listening to uh, the, the official podcast how, how was that for you? Uh, I mean I was very grateful to be invited it was an unbelievable experience um it was amazing to see i don't have a commentator's voice <laughs> you know but you know you see matt and, and angus you know and you start speak the way they speak it's and they've got that wonderful commentator's voice it's um it, it's it's actually great to be involved and they were you know absolutely lovely guys uh very welcoming and it's always great to talk french football with with people who know their stuff as as is it as it is here yeah and then, thanks Mathis. thank you so much thank you everyone who's been uh, listening to the podcast they'll be uh, of course released on our usual podcast platform but also uh, as a video so you can see our faces when we talk about Mbappe and how yeah. and how we agree with each other on almost everything thank you everyone I'll talk to you um, next week there'll definitely be another episode next week and for the whole of summer bye bye <laughs>